Okay, it is now time to present the Word of God to you. Uh, we are studying the Gospel of John, and we are in chapter 4. We've been studying about the Samaritan woman and her encounter with Jesus. And uh, today I'm going to wrap it up, this short series within the series. But this is like the sixth message on the Samaritan woman's case. So this is the message that I have for you. The title of the message is Witnessing Through Relationship. 관계를 통해 증거하다. How important is relationship? Relationship is everything. How important is this concept called personal? You know, things relate to one another as well. But when we talk about relationship here, we're talking about personal relationship. How important is that? It's everything. Our God is a relational God and a personal God simply because He's triune, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a relational concept. God so loved the world you know, that He gave His only begotten Son to the world. He loved us so much. God is love. Love is a relational term. Love is not some abstract love, some Hindu concept of love. Love is a relational concept. He so loved that He gave. 하나님은 세상을 이처럼 사랑하사 독생자를 주셨으니 주고 받고 하는 것이 사랑입니다. So today in the final message series on the theme of evangelism or strategy for evangelism, I'm going to talk about relationship. Now let's look at the text for today. Verses 39 to 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now let us read this in Korean. 한국어를 읽겠습니다. 여자의 말이 내가 행한 모든 것을 그가 내게 말하였다 증거하므로 그 동네 중에 많은 사마리아인이 예수를 믿는지라 사마리아인들이 예수께 와서 자기들과 함께 유하시기를 청하니 거기서 이틀을 유하심에 예수의 말씀으로 말미암아 믿는 자가 더욱 많아 그 여자에게 말하되 이제 우리가 믿는 것은 내 말로 인함이 아니니 이는 우리가 친히 듣고 그가 참으로 세상에 구주신 줄 알미라 하였더라. 아멘. I want to give you a short overview of Jesus' strategy of evangelism. And as I mentioned earlier, this is the sixth strategy that Jesus, well, actually, not that Jesus is giving, but the situation allows for. So let us consider some of the strategies uh, that is in the mind of Jesus. First of all, Jesus is in the business of breaking down barriers. 예수님은 장벽을 허물는 그러한 작업을 하십니다. He is in the business of breaking down ethnic barriers, uh, gender barriers, moral barriers, anything that's related to culture and some kind of traditional formal ways of thinking. He has to break down barriers. Why? Because he has to connect with individuals in order to offer 
His salvation to us. 그래서 장병을 무너뜨리는 그러한 작업을 하십니다. So that he can communicate with us. That's the second strategy. He wants to communicate with us in a way that connects us to him. 예수님 우리와 소통하시기를 원하고 소통으로 연결되시기를 원하는 거예요. 그러기 위해서 자신은 어떠한 사람들에 대한 어떤 판단과 편견을 갖지 아니하십니다. You might be thinking, but he did. He had this opinion about the Samaritan woman. He didn't have an opinion about the woman. He had a discernment about the woman. Discernment and opinion and judgment are totally different categories. I can discern some things wrong about a person, but I, I can be a truly loving and caring and considerate person to that. And, and so he had no prejudice, and his conversation was very interactional, and he only pointed out the things that were necessary and relevant to the woman. He wasn't giving a, a long speech, just you know, trying to show how great a Messiah he was. No, he just got right down to the issue that was particularly the woman's issue, and he dealt with that. And we, we need to learn that way of communication from Jesus. If we have all the time in the world, we should not waste that time talking about ourselves or talking about some abstract concepts, but talk about them, what their issues are. Because we don't have much time with those individuals. And in that precious, limited time, we got to get right to the point and talk about the things that are relevant and necessary. 그래서 가장 적절하고 필수적인 것만 주님께서 지적해 주시고 그 이슈를 해결하시고 해서 베푸십니다. Third strategy is that he's in the business of penetrating into our depth. 우리의 깊이를 파고 들어가고 침투하는 그 작업이에요. Now people may not like that. I don't want you getting inside of me trying to figure out what I'm thinking or what I'm going through. But if we do not, we are just operating shell to shell. You know, it's just a superficial thing. We'll never be able to really connect. So we need to penetrate. But how does Jesus do that? There are many types of depth issues, like philosophical depth, about identity, about morality, and so forth. Ethical depth, what's right and wrong. But Jesus didn't talk about that so much. Because the woman probably was asking all their questions and she felt that she's not qualified to even talk about it because of her past, because of her loose moral type of life. But what did Jesus do? He penetrated into her psychological depth. She was probably asking this question, I'm trapped. This is the way I am. This is the way my life is going to be. I'm always going to be addicted to men. I'm going to be always fixated by this problem that I cannot solve. And everyone's going to judge me. Jesus understood that. That's why he talked about the husbands that she had. Those many, many husbands. And the one that she's living with right now is not even her husband in a legal sense. But the depth that Jesus wanted to get at with this woman was what we call spiritual depth. The real longing that is in the hearts of each person. What is that longing? I believe that whether you're a believer or non-believer, as human beings, God has created us with some kind of a, a emptiness or vacuum that, that is longing for our Creator. Why aren't 
어, 창조주가 계신다면 과연 신이 계시다면 그러면 그 신과 피조물이 어떤 관계가 있을 거란 말이죠. And I believe that if he's a wise creator, he would have made his creatures with some kind of device or mechanism whereby he is really needed by the creature. And that's what we sense, all of us, existentially. We sense some point in our lives, this longing to be connected to my maker, to whom that I must give account one day. And that's how I came to the Lord in 1982. I was an artist in New York City, and I was in, into ballet and choreography, by the way. Some of you who do not know my past, I have that background before I turned to ministry. And I was going to be an artist, but my heart was not satisfied with art. And before then, I was going to be a scientist, an engineer. So I started engineering. I wasn't satisfied with that. Nothing seems to satisfy me. I realize that if I do get married and, and have a family, I probably may not even be satisfied with that. And I, I wasn't confident whether I'm going to do a good job in that because I saw a lot of artists, their marriages break down, their relationships break down. And I have no confidence in any of these things. So in my heart, I was searching for the answer. What, what could give me a sense of security, a sense of hope that maybe I'll have a good family. Maybe I can do a good job in this life. And more than anything, who's going to satisfy the longing in my heart? And that's when I turned to God. And God came into my heart. And look at where I am after all these years. Penetrating into the depth. This is Jesus' business. So if we're going to reach out to others, don't just stay at a superficial level. There is a time, after, sometimes after a year or two of relationship with that person that you want to reach out to. There may be a time that you want to talk about some deeper stuff in life. And it may be philosophical, it may be ethical, moral issues, it may be psychological, but hopefully it will be a spiritual issue. A need for God. There has to be a sense of need or longing for God before they open up to God. Now the fourth uh, strategy that Jesus introduced to us is that strategy of focusing on the essential. Now, essential is more of the core issues. And then rest are secondary or peripheral. They may be important, but they're not the most important thing. For example, Jesus said, man does not live by bread and bread alone. Bread and water, food, and shelter, all these are important things. If we talk about Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need, we need all those basic needs to survive. But human beings are different from animals. We, we cannot just survive on food and shelter and some kind of a safety zone. We have something that is more essential. And what Jesus pointed out was essential is more crucial, so don't just talk about peripheral issues. And he considered the context of worship. He said, in worship, freedom from formality, tradition, some kind of structure, some kind of ways or styles of worship. The essence of worship is so important that he advocated freedom. It doesn't matter where you worship, as important as this place of worship is. We could worship at some other places. And we may not even have a building. We may be out there by Hangang River side. And we can worship out there in nature. 
or even the ways of worship or time of worship, schedule of worship could be different. I'm just glad we do have a place we can agree upon and we do um, have a worship setting and we have equipment, great worship leader who leads us into worship. Uh, I'm so glad for that. But even if we don't, that should not limit us from worship. But there is a condition Jesus did place upon worship. You must know the object of worship, who you're worshiping. You don't just worship because you feel like worship. Who are you worshiping? Are you worshiping an idol? Are you worshiping some object that's out there and you've labeled that as the most important thing in your life? It could be money, you know, or it could be knowledge. Or it could be some ideology, great vision for your life. That could be something that you worship and bow down every day. But our worship is the living God, God the creator, God the savior. And so just understand who you're worshiping. And then this worship should be based on the spirit and the truth. Jesus talked about you must worship in spirit and in truth. And I believe he meant in the Holy Spirit and truth of the Word of God that is focused upon him, Jesus Christ. Very important. And the worship should be mediated by himself. That when we go to God, Jesus must be there to mediate us to God. When we worship God in the name of Jesus, that's what this means. Not just a formality that we tack on at the end of prayer or worship. But in the name of Jesus means through Jesus. Everything is through Him because we cannot have access to God except through Jesus. And we cannot go to God except through Jesus. And so where does Jesus come in? And I believe worship without Jesus may be a worship. It may be some kind of religious ritual, but it is not truly Christian form of worship. What makes a Christian is Jesus Christ. Amen? Another strategy that Jesus gave was that of manifesting God's heart. This is a very important thing. This is what we learned last week. That Jesus has such a passion for his heart for the lost souls. They look like crops growing. And, and before his uh, spiritual sight, he saw them like a harvest that is ready to be picked. And you know, if you pass the harvest season, it's going to be wasted. And his disciples had no idea that the Lord was considering that about Samaritan people. But he has such passion for the divine heart and divine will. And at the same time, he exercised discernment because it is not just any time. It is now for particular people. That's the important thing. Harvest ripe now for these people. May not be for everybody else. But what God has shown him was this is the harvest that you need to gather. So who are your harvest? Who are the people you need to reach out now? But there are unbelievers everywhere. Are they all harvest for me now? No, maybe not your time right now. But there are people who are ready to be harvested now. That's all you need to ask. Isn't it interesting when Jesus was doing the works of ministry that he did not go to everybody and did everything to Everyone, he did not. Even in his healing ministry, he didn't go out and just healed everybody all over the region. 
He did it where the father told him to go and to do. And at the end of his life, he said, it is finished. I've done everything the father asked me to do. How could he do everything when he did not really do everything? Because everything for Jesus is doing the will of God according to his time and according to his purpose. That's why Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. If I do it according to his schedule, according to his way, then I've done it. He knew the limitation as a human being, that we're limited by body. We're limited in time and space, so we could only do so much. So you don't need to compare yourself with anybody. Look at that minister. He has a whole you know, field of people who are looking up to him. Of course, he could evangelize to thousands of people. I don't have that many people around me. I don't have that many people who are open to me. But you do have few people that God has in mind. That's all you have to do, and you will be credited and rewarded just as much as Billy Graham for having done uh, saving source of thousands and, and millions of people. Amen? The important thing is, are you in line with God's will, doing what He wants you to do? That's the important thing. And so finally, today, this is the final strategy, as, as I discern it in the study of the Samaritan woman's case, and it is that of witnessing through relationship. And I think this is the real bottom line strategy. You know, when we witness, remember, it's all about relationship. It's all about person to person. You know, in um, evangelism strategy that we, we learn and I teach at my school, we talk about uh, the ways of evangelizing people by proclamation, that is, we proclaim the Word of God and see how many people will respond to that. And then the second step would be um, persuasion, because we need to also persuade them. Don't just say this is the truth. Say, wow, you, you have to be convinced. I, I've been born again by the truth of Jesus, and you try to persuade the people. Third, sometimes if persuasion doesn't work, you have to call down heaven, you know, assist you. And that's the power evangelism. And so sometimes by people see miracles happening, some fantastic things happening, you know, when they come to the Lord, they say, what? Your God is alive, and so forth. So there is the power evangelism. And then the fourth evangelism is another four. So first of all, I talked about proclamation. Second, persuasion. Third, power. Fourth is presence evangelism. And what do I mean by presence evangelism? Presence evangelism is simply this, through your presence. Maybe you might not even be able to squeak out a word. 예수님에 대한 선포를 전혀 할수 없는, 예수님 입 밖으로 끊을 수 없는 그런 입장에 설 수도 있다는 거예요. 그럴 땐 어떻게 우리가 전도를 합니까? Presence를 통해서, 나의 being을 통해서, 내가 친구 됨을 통해서. We sometimes call this friendship evangelism. Just be a friend to that person. And spend a lot of time. Don't try to gather the harvest right away. You're what you're doing, cultivating the crop and preparing so that the harvest, when the harvest is ripe, then you could do the picking. You know, you could do the gathering of the harvest. And so today I'm going to talk about um, the relational way of evangelism. And what we saw 
in verses 39 to 42 would give us just enough text to talk about this. Let's read uh, in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 여자의 말이 내가 행한 모든 것을 그가 내게 말하였다 증거함으로 그 동네 중에 많은 사마리아인이 예수를 믿는지라. So what did the Samaritan woman do right after she met the Lord, encountered the Lord, and had this amazing experience of being connected with Jesus? She went to the town and told everybody about Jesus. And basically generalized it by saying, He told me everything I ever did. 내가 평생 했던 모든 것을 다 나에게 알려줬다. 그렇게 고백하는 거예요. Of course, Jesus didn't, but she felt like he did. She felt like this man had a way of approaching her whereby this guy knows me inside out. If, he, if we had more time to talk about it, he'll probably point out everything else that I've done. Testimony. What is it about the ways of Jesus that this woman was so touched and intrigued by? I think there are two elements here. And first of all, I think she's giving testimony about Jesus' wisdom. The fact that he knew the truth and he knew how to wisely point out that truth about the Samaritan woman's past. Specifically, the truth matter. There are many, many options that she could have talked about. Many, many angers from which he could have approached. But he wanted to talk about this truth matter which was at the core of her problem. Problem with men. Problem of affirmation that she was now receiving. Problem of insecurity. He wanted to get at that. So Jesus was very wise as he spoke the truth of the matter. But this is the thing that got to the woman, I think. It was his grace. It was his grace. 예수님은 진리의 말씀, 그거를 지혜롭게 포장하는 것만이 아니라 그거를 은총으로 다가간 거예요. 은총 있게, 자비 있게, 긍휼하게 그 말씀하신 거예요. 이게 얼마나 중요한지 아십니까? You know, when you're speaking truth, and sometimes truth stings, you know, sometimes truth can kill you. How can you package it in a way that is gracious so that that person will say, wow, that touched me, that convicts me. But the way he went around saying that, the way he, 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 he uh, expressed himself, that's what got me. And that's the key that unlocks the, the shackle for the people. And isn't this what uh, Apostle John in the very first chapter, in verse 14, said about Jesus, the Word. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 말씀이 육신되어 우리 가운데 거하심에 우리가 그의 영광을 보니 아버지의 독생자의 영광이요. 은혜와 진리가 충만하더라. And this is what we see from Jesus. This is what the Samaritan woman witnessed from Jesus. And I suppose she's going to begin to imitate Jesus so that when she gives testimony, it's going to be filled with both grace and truth. Amen? 
So when you're talking to non-believers, always be filled with grace and truth. Truth by itself cannot stand. You know, truth by itself cannot have impact upon the people. You would think truth. I'm sure they get at it. They don't get at it because that has to be packaged in grace and mercy. You know, and sometimes mercy is what really clinches it. So if you feel like you're just talking about naked truth and naked facts and naked word of God, then you need to package it up. You know, put some more honey, and then that bitter pill can be swallowed. And maybe we can provide healing and remedy for their problems. Okay, let's look at uh, verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Samaria인들이 예수께 와서 자기들과 함께 유하시기를 청하니 거기서 이틀을 유하심에 예수의 말씀으로 말미암아 믿는 자가 더욱 많아. Now they actually came to Jesus and Jesus had such an impact upon them through his word. What is it about Jesus' word that would have so much impact upon them? First of all, we see that they urged him to stay with them. So it was like two days of lengthy you know, hours that he stayed. That would be how many hours? 48 hours. 48 hours of encounter with Jesus in which he continued to speak his words to them. It is not simply a 30-minute sermon that's going to, you know, touch the lives of the people. You know. It may not even be some lecture that, uh, that you hear that's necessarily going to touch the people. It's got to be done in such a way as Jesus had impact upon the people, but it does take time. Two days, intensive. Intensive indoctrination under Jesus Christ. How would that add up for us? What would be equivalent of Jesus' intense, holy, perfect Son of God proclaiming the word to people? How would that? It may take an entire year for imperfect people like us with imperfect ways of articulating the word of God. It may take a year, but that time is necessary. But let's see what Jesus did. There are two things that I believe that Jesus has that he wants to present to us. And we see this all throughout the gospel and other gospels. And that is somehow the word God comes alive so that we have sort of an awakening, a realization, the word opening up to us. And Jesus had a way of explaining the word of God. Of course, his Bible in his days was the Hebrew Bible, and mostly, you know, what we call Pentateuch or the, the books of Moses, you know. And he would be talking about these laws that God has established. He'll do it in such a way that it would cause enlightenment in our hearts. How do we bring others to Christ? Take the Word of God, concepts of the Word of God, and begin to explain to them until the light begins to shine. Sometimes it has a lot to do with how we prepare the word, but mostly speak the words here and there. Every opportunity you get, here and there. I have this occasion right now with uh, Brother Jinyuk to, to minister to this person that I don't want to talk specifically about it because it may ruin the strategy. It has to be kind of kept secret and under the radar, so to speak. But we have certain strategy that uh, 
we're going to begin to invite this person even to our studio and, and have some other times outside of the things that we engage in together. And what we want to do is we want to basically uh, be given a chance to talk about Jesus from the Word. And I have to strategize as to how am I going to talk about Jesus here and there. But what we want to get at is for the light to begin shining, like And like the whole stage flooded with like And he will have an encounter with Jesus. But it starts with just a tiny little spark. That's all we're looking for, tiny little And this person may question, inquire about Jesus, maybe interest in Jesus. Tell me more about this. Why you came to the Lord? And why are you doing the things with me in a completely different area? And what's all this connection? And I might be able to help bring that solution. Second thing important, that Jesus, the way he operates, always has to do with the Spirit's presence. It's always not just man, but the Spirit of God present there. And because if you don't feel spiritually inspired, you're not going to be inspired to come to the Lord. It's not just the truth and the spark of the truth. It has to be the Spirit's presence doing the work. That's why you need to pray when you're reaching out to people. Not just talk about the Word, but prayerfully soak this atmosphere with the presence of God. And sometimes presence of God works in a mighty way whereby you didn't do such a good job in presentation. And sometimes I don't do a great job preaching the Word, but the Spirit of God has a way of affecting people in a mighty way. The great British preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, was a great, great preacher. I mean, he, he is known as the Prince of the Pulpit. And how many of you have heard of C.H. Spurgeon? Yeah, he is a Baptist preacher, and, and I've actually read the manuscripts, and I'm totally blown away by the depth and the intensity and the passion that he has. One day, he preached to this huge crowd, and he felt like he preached his worst sermon. And uh, he went away kind of disappointed. He felt like, well, not too many people want to come to the Lord because of this, this message. But guess what? Someone pointed out to him that that sermon has caused more source to come to the Lord than any of his sermons put together. That is a way of humbling a preacher. That is a way of humbling me if I realize that my worst sermon can have more effects than the best sermons that I could possibly preach. That doesn't mean I should neglect my preaching and give you the worst sermons all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? So it has, I mean, human role is important in proclaiming the word, sharing the gospel. But more important is the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus always relied upon the Spirit's work. Now, finally, in verse 42, this is what the townspeople said. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. 그 여자에게 말하되, 이제 우리가 믿는 것은 내 말로 인함이 아니니 이는 우리가 친히 듣고 그가 참으로 세상에 구주신 줄 알미라 하였더라. When do we know when we have actually witnessed to a person and led them to Christ and the whole evangelism process has been completed. 
How do we know? There are two things that people need to testify about uh, the witness that they just have experienced. And that is, are they able to make a direct encounter with Jesus, go directly to him instead of second-handedly? How many of you know, have heard, that there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God? Do you know what that means? There are only children. God begets children spiritually and children and children. He doesn't let it go down the generation. Just because I lead them into Christian ways of thinking doesn't mean my children are saved and secure in the hands of the Lord. We must usher them directly to the Lord. 1대1로 주님 만나도록 하는 것이지 아, 내가 잘되면 내가 기도함으로 내 자녀들이 잘되고 무조건 구원받는다. 그거는 오해라고 생각합니다. We must not make that mistake. Especially third generation, fourth generation Christians. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you never left the church, you've been a good Christian all your life, so you thought, then you must ask this question. Do I have a direct relationship with this God that my parents, my grandparents have introduced me to? That's what we have to think. Like the Samaritans, not just your testimony now, we have seen him and heard with our own ears and we believe now that this is the Messiah. So direct encounter with Jesus is crucial in salvation. Secondly, there has to be a personal sense of conviction about Jesus deep down in their hearts. It can't just be a head thing. It can't be just a head conversion. Oftentimes in the mission field, sometimes in the past, missionaries have engaged in a whole people movement where practically a whole tribe comes to the Lord because the tribe, uh, the chief, wants his whole tribe to now turn to Jesus. But that does not guarantee the whole people's salvation. Because each of them have to learn how to be convicted on their own, in their heart. It can't be just a rote style. It can't be just a mannerism. It can't be a formality. It has to be a real thing. Let me give you an illustration which I think will speak volumes to you. If you're not convinced by my argument, then I want you to think of a scenario where you are about to get married. And you're marrying this person, and you're going to stand up uh, at the altar and, and confess and your vow to this person. And even to that point, let's say the only reason why you're marrying this person is because everybody pressured you into marrying that person. Okay. Everybody else thinks that this person is a good candidate for you to marry. Okay. Even your parents, even your friends, even the pastor who's presiding your wedding thinks that this is the pers perfect person for you. But let's say as you're standing here and as you're about to speak that vow, you have no conviction in your heart about this person. You're convicted by the conviction of everybody around you. The 모든 사람들, 관중들과 뭐 부모와 주례자의 확신에 여러분이 영향을 받아서 확신케 되는 것이지 자신은 확신이 없는 거야. 일대일로 이 사람을 바라볼 때. Now what's wrong with this picture? Would you like to marry that person accordingly? What's going to be the problem? Later you're going to point your finger and blame everybody else. You know, 
It's because of my mom and dad, because of the pastor, because of everybody else. And then you justify yourself when you divorce that person, saying, you know, I'm not going to be blamed because I never loved this person, had conviction about this person in the first place. 그 말은 뭐라 하면 단추가 먼저 이렇게 잘못 잠겨졌는데 어떻게 제대로 내가 옷을 차려 입겠습니까? 그 말이란 말이죠. People don't want to be responsible. Sometimes Christians who have been in the church for many, many years, they, want, they don't want to be responsible. Well, I, I did it because my parents told me to go to church. I did it because my, my grandfather was a pastor. You know? I did it because in my own neighborhood, everybody went to church. But the most crucial question is, do you know this Jesus on your own? Are you convicted in your own heart? Are you an individual human being who can make that decision on your own? And this is perhaps the most important decision you will ever make in your life, more important than your marriage vow. This is entering into the kingdom of God. This will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. This is going to determine your eternal destiny. And you want to be sure about this. And you cannot go to heaven simply because your parents and your grandparents are Christians. You can't just trail along with them, you know. You can't go to heaven simply because you know it in your head. You got all the doctrines and you can, you know, recite Bible in and out. No, you go to heaven because you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because you belong to him. Because you're his bride. Because you're his child. Make sure if you're not sure. And even in our group, if you're not sure about it, then you come to me or Pastor Jamie or any of our brothers and sisters who are more certain about their salvation. And we can get that right. We can get that right. But we should not have this misunderstanding or assumption that somehow when everything else seems okay, I'm okay. Sometimes church becomes a safety zone, a comfort zone, whereby people are not encountering truth at the core. And so I am personally going to do everything possible to make sure that each of you have a personal relationship with Jesus so that even though pastor may not be around, Jesus and the Holy Spirit will be with you always. He'll guide you. He'll help you. He'll carry you through. Amen? And I think you will appreciate me as your pastor even more when you realize that with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word of God, you have everything. And thank you, Pastor, for showing me that way. You will say that one day to me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for so many lessons on evangelism from uh, your lips as well as from the lips of the Samaritan woman and now the people of Samaria uh, in this town. Lord, I just thank you that, uh, that we're entering into a season where we'll be reaching out to people who may be inquiring about you, people who really have a need to fill their lives with you. Father, help us to open our eyes and see the harvest that needs to be gathered around us. And Lord, may we approach them relationally, not mechanically, not programmatically, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because the desire and the passion and the longing to reach out to these souls who must know the truth of Jesus Christ. 
would fill our hearts, that we would be filled with the passion, the passion that Jesus, you have in your own heart. Because you said that you are hungry for the souls, that your will is to do the will of the Father. That is food for your soul. And we want to operate the same way you operate, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.